Sing for me, uh, my well, angel of music. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to the Chicago Maroons Arts Podcast, also known as the ArtsCast. I'll be your host, Max Miller, and I'll have my voice edited today by the lovely Parker Mee, who makes me sound so, so mature. Parker's going to make me sound like a real man. A big, strong man. This week's ArtsCast docket includes an interview with Ege Yalsendak, a Chicago Maroon reporter who dropped by to let us know about the activities of a theater group on campus called Iris that was formed to help empower people of color. After that, co-host Samuel Landon will be telling us about his experience checking out the art exhibit called The History of Perception that's now on display at the Smart Museum of Art right here on campus. Finally, we'll wrap things up with an exclusive interview with someone who's frankly too big a name to have considered coming on our podcast, who is the incredibly talented singer-slash-RA on campus, Shuba Vadula, who goes by the stage name Shuba, in all caps, S-H-U-B-A. Stay tuned, Maroons, for all the arts news you know you don't need. I'm speaking with Ege Yalsendag, so can you tell us a little bit more about Iris? Yeah, so um, Iris is a, a new RSO on campus. Um, well, it's a theater RSO on campus, mm-hmm. and they're looking to enhance um, inclusivity, especially in the theater world, um, in terms of like demographics and ethnicities, because the theater world is not very representative, um, as we see in entertainment a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they try to do this with by um, engaging people who... Um, are not as represented in the theater community, but also telling stories from people who aren't as representative. So poems by um, Latinx or um, other people like that. Yeah, definitely. Why is it called Iris then? Oh, that's really interesting. So um, I guess Iris is um, a god in Egyptian mythology, I think, or Greek mythology. Okay. Greek mythology. And um, she's a goddess of color. And um, also the iris is the part of your eye that's in color. So they were kind of thinking that they want to include a range of perspectives and colors um, and voices, and that's really what the group represents. So they called it iris. So you've spoken extensively with members of iris. Mm-hmm. What have they told you about their experiences in the theater world of iris? Of iris? I don't know. I think um, the fact that their group is made up of a lot people from different ethnicities is really helpful Mm -hmm. because they have that support system like I was mentioning before and um, just like in general representation in the theater world is not the best Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know if really UT like does that either but it wasn't really they told us or they told me that the group wasn't really a response to UT but like uh, an addition, I guess. The corollaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because they wanted to do more than just responding to UT. Mm-hmm. I think if they were solely a response to UT, it'd be kind of limiting. So, Samuel Linden, tell us about your experience going to check out the History of Perception at the Smart Museum of Art on campus. Well, sure thing, Max Miller. A History of Perception is a new exhibit at the Smart Museum of Art that is both open to the public and meant to be used in conjunction with a class offered at the university this quarter uh, under the same name. Okay. And it's all about how perception, both visually 
and sort of more culturally mm -hmm. influences how we see things. One of the first things you see when you go to the exhibit, right next to the long description on the wall about sort of what it is in that course, is one of those classic three-dimensional images presented on 2D surface that shifts perspective. Is it sunken in? Is it pushing out? Uh, like an optical illusion. Like an optical illusion. Very much that sort of classic um, idea of perception mm -hmm. um, and how that can shift. That sets the tone and gets you sort of in that mindset of changing perception and recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And as the exhibit continues, it examines that in different ways, especially culturally. Culturally, it was the one that I found most interesting. One of my favorite pieces there called Black Woman with Chicken. And it is quite literally a black and white picture of a black woman holding a drumstick of fried chicken. Okay. And she's more or less holding it in front of her face as though she was about to eat it, and she's looking directly into the camera, and in that sense, looking directly at the observer. And there's, and I see the face that you're making, Max. No, I'm just, uh, uh, that's an interesting territory to breach into in, well, art in that way. Yeah, what's, it's, uh, so just it's further very, about the perception. It's very interesting, because on the one hand, there's, there's that thing in your head that says, oh, that's not okay. You can't juxtapose those two yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Which is like itself a cultural perception. Because if you don't have that that cultural stereotype in your mind, there's literally nothing wrong with that. There's no reason that this particular person can't like fried chicken. That's, yeah, that's an interesting point. And she's very much giving this look of both, well, why do you think this is weird? Mm -hmm. Like, why do you think this is inappropriate? And also, why do you think that this would necessarily be especially appropriate? Sort of exactly confronting those two ideas that yeah. one has in your head looking at it. I thought it was a very brilliant piece. I love that. Yeah, especially for how simple it was. Because yeah. it is, I mean, it's just a black and white picture. Quote, unquote, just a black and white picture. But it has all of that meaning encoded within it. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. That's interesting that it reminds you of your own act of perception. Mm -hmm. It brings you to the, to the reality of what you're doing and looking at these pieces of art. Mm -hmm. There's another piece called Cherry Pie that is a print. I believe it's a lithograph okay. print. Um, and it's this sort of very messy image of a cherry pie, like the stereotypical thing you would see in a painting where it, you know, is at an angle that forces a specific perception. Hmm. Sure. But then in addition to that, it has sort of handprints and smearings as though someone had, had done that directly onto the frame. So forcing that 3D perspective, but also portraying the, the messiness and the way in which the viewer interacts with the work because mm -hmm. the work exists in one plane, or rather, the pie exists in one plane, oh. but another part of the work, the smearing, exists on the same plane, so to speak, as the viewer. And I found that very interesting. So it kind of creates a difference between the actual work, like the object in the frame, versus us seeing the object, I guess? Very much so. I mean, oh, wow. I, have, I have, yeah. Another awesome one was um, a comic book that they had there from a group from Chicago itself, uh, over at the Art Institute back earlier in the 20th century, mm -hmm. uh, the group Harry Who, and it had one of their comic books, and one thing that they really liked to do was play with, again, that visual and that cultural perception. They would do things similar to M.C. Escher, messing with weird perspectives and shifts and movements, mm -hmm. but they would also do things that seem inherently funny. Like, they loved to draw women with hairy legs. Okay. So they would do that a lot, which, you know, the idea that that is a humorous thing is a very cultural perception yeah, if you, yeah. you know, yeah. It's quite natural. Mm -hmm. So they had that wonderful piece. The final piece in the exhibit path is this sculpture called Infinite Cube. And 
I don't want to say too much about it because okay. it is genuinely incredible and it's so simple, mm-hmm. but it's it's absolutely stunning. It makes a wonderful use of LED lights and mirrors. So it's like a structure. Oh, wow. It's it's a physical structure and it's absolutely gorgeous and it's just interesting. I, I legitimately stayed there for probably 10 minutes. Oh, wow. And just stared yeah. at it. Yeah, there, there are um, in museums these mirror rooms mm. made by this prominent artist I can't remember the name of, but it, it looks as if you're looking into infinity, yeah. you know, endlessly. And it's very much like that, but especially just the structure and the way that the LEDs are arranged yeah. makes it look especially uh, striking. So it's almost like cubes within a cube. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. stretching onto infinity, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. So well, yeah. if you want an experience of infinity, make sure to check out the History of Perception right here on campus at the Smart Museum of Art. Thank you, Sam, for your great review of this. Anytime, place, Mac. So I'm sitting down today with Shubha. Shubha Vidula is her full name, and <laughs> she is a singer-slash-RA on campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done some huge shows. I've seen pictures of you doing you know, 100-person, 1,000-person shows. So, first of all, how would you describe your singing style? I think uh, it's kind of changed because I started singing um, by imitating people, Um, and a lot of that was Bollywood movies that I used to watch when I was little, and then it was also just listening to, like, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, and my mom used to play Eminem. Like the real Slim Shady <laughs> was one of the first songs, um, so I, I think tell. it's it's that's just kind of like a combination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. It's just that it's it's just a combination of all the things that I've heard, and then putting it to songwriting has been kind of a challenge and interesting process because now it's like okay, I've learned how to imitate this person, how this person sings, but how do I kind of make it? you know, my voice? Yeah. So Your um, yeah, and and so what I would say is just you know it's it's a mix of things and with like a sprinkle of you know who I am and like where I'm from and my background. How do you juggle being an RA and a full-time student of the university and a singer? Yeah um well I think I had to make sacrifices one thing that I definitely wanted to do this year is just like focus um I think a lot of us who come to this school are just like everyone's just so amazing and everyone does so many things like everyone is so good at so many things which i don't get because i'm i think i'm only good at like one thing <laughs> and like but you're here you're sitting in i'm here chair, i'm so. here by some turn of good fortune <laughs> but basically I, i'm trying to just focus right so i had to cut i was actually pre-med for some time Jeez. um and that i couldn't that i just couldn't do it was i was coming home I would come home from class, I'd, you know, be the RA, like, go to sit with my kids. With It's not even, like, a, it's not an obligation. Like, I, just, I love doing it. Like, they're my friends, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it's, like, I'd come home, I'd study for bio, and it's, like, okay, 10 p.m., I have to start getting ready and then go out at 11. And I'm not, like, a crazy party person. I like to sleep pretty early. I, like, eight hours of sleep. And so... It was just hard. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't multitask. So I dropped pre-med. Mm-hmm. Um, being an RA almost complements my lifestyle as a singer just because, like, my residents are super supportive and they're really sweet. And they're yeah. always, like, Snapchatting yeah. and tweeting. And um, <laughs> they're just genuinely so so sweet about everything. Um, and it's good to hear their feedback, too, right? Because they're, like, the new, like, every generation is, like, the, is like what are you guys listening to now? Um, and, like, what kind of music they like. But... 
Um, so that's not really, that doesn't weigh in too much. A lot of things I try to do musical stuff with my residents. Um, they really love karaoke. So we, we always nice. do karaoke. Um, we just love watching movies and I don't know. They like, I, I want to have them be in a music video sometime. <laughs> and just, like, I think students in general, like I'd love to have a music video where I just have a bunch of you Chicago kids. Yeah. I think yeah. it would be really fun. Um, well, you know how to reach me, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and then the last thing is, yeah, I just, I've just found a way to maybe just try to do one thing at a time. I don't really know how. I'm, I'm trying to cut things. Like, I was auditing a, a class, and then I was like, is this more important, or should I be writing? And I had to cut the class. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. What major just, are you now? I've always been sociology. Okay. So that's, like, that's the one good move I made is, like, I, I picked something that I knew I could do and do well and, like, do even if I had time constraints. And yeah. the major is really flexible. And I'm actually writing my thesis on music. Wow. So, that's so it convenient. works out. Are you um, are you currently working on a next project you could tell us a little bit about? Yeah, I'm really excited actually. Um, I've been performing a lot of the songs off of what I thought was gonna. I thought I was gonna release a bunch of singles initially, so that's why I was telling people I'm like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a EP sort of person. I'm a singles sort of person mm -hmm. because I think the thing with the t short attention spans, it's like I thought I was gonna just release one and then if people didn't like it, okay, release the next one, release the next one, and just keep it going. But it kind of changed course um, and. I realized that I had written four songs that kind of tell a cohesive story. They're all songs about other people. Sure. Um, and I plan to release that. It's done. It's like written. It's mostly ballads or mid-tempo songs, which is also surprising because okay. I thought it like all the songs I'd written before and been performing around school were just fast ones and I don't know. 120 beats whatever like <laughs> the, yeah. the typical so yeah I've been working on that I've spent a lot of time on it making sure everything's just right like from every photograph to all the graphic art to everything like I like when people are like what do you do all that I'm like that's literally like half of the job like writing the songs takes it doesn't take that long it really doesn't take that long to write a song sometimes but it's everything else yeah. Like, how is the photo going to look? Is this makeup artist the best? Like, do you look too natural or does it look like you're photoshopped? Like, all these things matter to people. Um, Jeez, I don't know Yeah, it's like, how frequently do you post or do you post too much? Um, do your posts have enough self-deprecation or is it too prideful? It's like, all, like, what times are you posting? It's like all of the stuff that you have to think about, which is... I just wish I didn't have to, honestly. Yeah. But I try to kind of have fun with it. Like, my Snapchat stories are obnoxious. Um, my Instagram stories, are, I just, like, talk about beans all the time and just, like, <laughs> various mundane events that I find interesting. Does I've gotten so off track. Basically, <laughs> I have this four-song project coming out and then yeah. a remix, and then, you know, I'm working on the next project already. Okay. So. Well, I'm glad you're staying busy in that way. Yeah, I mean, this is like, it, it took a while and it's it's scary, but this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I might as well just do it, you know? So what's the worst that could happen? Mm, I guess I'll do Penny. It's like a fun freestyle-y type sounding. Boy, you better do your research before you start coming on to me first and be served. I reserve the right to put you in your place and make you cripple under these words. Please swerve, you need work, hey. Cause I don't care about the money that you keep. Money isn't funny, doesn't mean a thing to me. Open up your mind and see the truth will set you free. I don't wanna take a chance on you. You just seem like a penny in my pocket. 
empty space in my wallet. I don't care if I drop it, cause I could have another one when I want. But you, you just seem like a penny in my pocket, empty space in my wallet. I don't care if I drop it, cause I could have another one when I want. Penny in my pocket, you don't wanna drop this, you will never top this. Penny in my pocket, pocket, not down, not down, huh? Once again, this has been your host, Max Miller, and from us on the Maroons Artscast team, thank you for listening in. If you like Shiba's sound, make sure to check out the single she just dropped called Stupid, the first one from her upcoming EP. You'll be able to find it on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Napster, LimeWire, or whatever you use for that sort of thing. Have a great week, and see you next time for even more arts-oriented events on campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a thousand one times that we said